Hi, welcome to Ghostman Radio Station and tonight my guest is Tony Walker, who's a financial advisor and author. And he's here today to talk about his wonderful new book, which is called The Adventures of Tony Baloney and Cooking. So I'm going to ask him a few questions, but I thought I'd let him introduce himself a little bit more first, so he can give us a little bit more about his background before we ask a few questions. So obviously you you just said you've been in financial business for quite a long time. You offered your five books and now you're well retirement. We won't call it retirement. We'll call it semi not working so much. So that was the, the main inspiration why you wrote this book then? Or was it to do with your past as well? Was there a little bit of you in that yeah, childhood? I, I think a little bit. I, I've written another book that uh, called Live Well, Die Broke. Uh, it's a financial book, but it gets into my past a lot and then where I came from. My parents did divorce when I was 10. That was 1970, which was kind of a rarity then. So I do think your past shapes a lot of your future. And so it's kind of a legacy of sorts. Uh, yeah, I like to talk about my past. I love to tell stories. This is something my grandkids could even one day pass off to their kids. So the thought of having something that their grandfather authored about his childhood and just something that's very innocent and fun and allows them to maybe use their imagination, that's what I mean. It's, it's a little bit of a legacy, hopefully, for my family to continue on to know a little bit about my past and, again, to have some fun and use their imagination as well. Now, obviously, I see that you're wearing glasses, and obviously, in the book, Tony Bloody wears glasses. So, is there a connection to the wearing glasses? Well, I have to tell you, my mother is still alive, and she remembers everything about the past. And uh, when she saw this book, she was very upset. She said, Tony, well, you didn't wear glasses when you were little. And I said, well, Mom, I know, but what happened was, when 
Ivy said, Tony Baloney apparently needs glasses, according to Ivy, so he's going to wear glasses. And in a way, I think it's kind of cool because, again, not that kids who might wear glasses might feel funny about wearing glasses, but I think in the culture we're in now, you know, to try to help kids kind of deal with whatever they're going through, to see that Tony Baloney had to wear glasses when I didn't actually as a child. In fact, if you go to my website at TonyBaloneyAndCookie.com, you can scroll down there and you'll see a picture of me and Marty and Cookie when I was little, and I didn't have glasses on then, but still, it's, I think it's kind of a cool touch. But yeah, my mom was not happy about that. <laughs> so, Mummy, your mother put you in the naughty step. <laughs> now, what was it like growing up as a lower middle class kid in the 60s? I hate that expression, lower middle class, because it's, it's like a... It, we're very obsessed with class over here in the UK. Anyway, answer that question. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I want people to know, and I've, I've always kind of said that just because I do work in the money field, and a lot of my clients are, you know, hardworking folks that maybe, as I like to say, are not multi-millionaires. So I want people to understand I grew up kind of, you know, just didn't have a silver spoon or anything. But, you know, looking back on those days, yeah, we didn't have a lot of money. So everything was a treat, you know, if you literally the ice cream truck came by once a day in the summer you got a treat from the ice cream truck not like today where we go to the supermarket with our kids and let them load up on you know 14 cartons of ice cream cones or whatever they want you know what i mean you just everything was a treat uh if you wanted to watch cartoons you had to catch them on saturday morning that's the only time they were on you know just you know playing with your kids outside i mean uh, with your friends outside riding a bike you know just simple things so I think that's why I wrote this book. It was also to share just fun adventures of things that really did happen. The bicycle accident actually was pretty bad. A cookie ran in front of me, and, you know, Dad took rushed me to the hospital. They stitched me up. The next day I was back on the bike again. You know, it wasn't a big deal back then. So it's it just kind of an innocent time, and I think it's a fun time, and I think it's good for people to harken back to those days. So do you reckon you've accidentally put a little bit of morals in the book not meaning to that you sort of put back the morals of like be thankful for what you've got you know because we do you're quite right today we are we expect it instant in, in instantly and when we don't get it instantly i'm guilty as next to the first for next person oh my god the internet's down again da, 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 da. And, and then i think well years ago we didn't have the internet How close were you to your dog Cookie? Obviously, I can tell by the way you're talking about Cookie. Any stories about Cookie in your family really true or 
and if so which ones or as much as you want to tell us which ones because we don't want to spoil the book too much yeah yeah definitely the bicycle accident was true he never tinkled on the ground and my brother marty didn't slip and fly away up in the air on the tinkle although he did shed really bad my mom reminded me of that she said why didn't you talk about his shedding he did follow around people in the neighborhood he did bite your shoestrings uh, there's a an untied shoe story with cookie in there but i loved cookie uh, to be honest, and there is a dog catcher back in our day, uh, there's a story about the dog catcher. He got caught by the dog catcher a lot. Uh, apparently, the other female dogs in the neighborhood were quite attractive, and if he got out that door, he was gone, and so they had a dog catcher that always tried to catch him. Back then, my dad got very upset. Again, we didn't have a lot of money. It was 25 bucks to go get Cookie from the dog catcher, and I didn't know this until later on. We had Cookie three or four years, and my dad came home one day, and we said, where's Cookie? Because the dog catcher had caught him. And Dad, real serious, goes, boys, I'm really sorry. I went to the dog pound, and after three times, they won't give Cookie back. Uh, so that was the end of Cookie. We found out later that he had found a home for Cookie. But, yeah, my dad wasn't going to put up with that anymore. So, yeah, again, just it, looking back on it, it's hilarious that he would have made that up. But, yeah, so I had three or four really good years with Cookie, and then Cookie was history after that. But he, had, he apparently got a really good home, according to my mom, and she was aware of what was going on there. Obviously a sub-question, I presume you've got the dogs now? Yeah, at one time we had four. We had At one time we had two dachshunds, Her, Hershey and Holly. We had an old mutt by the name of Gator from the Humane Society. It was probably the best dog we've ever had. Uh, we had a little Kushan, and now the only dog left is a black Russian terrier. Uh, they're, they're Russian military guard dogs. She's the sweetest dog in the world. She's about 85, 90 pounds, but you don't want to come around if she doesn't know who you are. They're uh, yeah, I can imagine it. It's one way of saying, get out of my house. <laughs> right, um, what do you hope that when people are reading this book, what do you think it'll bring to others? Do, do you think there's something you hope that others will get from it? you won't probably agree for your financial side if you didn't have an imagination to grow a business you wouldn't grow the business I mean you have to be determined in the first place and you have to be, have the, the image in your head what you want to go forward uh, obviously it's a bit more involved but the, it's the same principle in life isn't it uh, you know that's what you're trying to teach people that you've basically got to work at it you can't just expect it to turn up and go hi here. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a, it's a five-step process. 
rulemaking process. I call it the worry-free retirement. And the first step of that process is literally called clarify your vision. Uh, because a lot of people, retirees, that I mainly work with people approaching retirement, they don't really have a clear vision of what they're wanting to do. You know, they've just worked all their life, saved all their life, and maybe even with COVID, a lot of people retired sooner than they originally planned on because of various things. So that, to me, in any decision-making, where a lot of people make problem or make wrong decisions is they haven't started at step one and really clarified what it is they're trying to accomplish and what those expectations might be. Then they start moving through the process, and it's like, wait a minute, slow down here. You don't, you haven't even ferreted out what you're looking for. And then I like to challenge a lot of my clients to use their imagination in retirement of things. That, uh, yesterday I met with a client, for instance. He, he's really involved in a food bank in Louisville, Kentucky, and he worked for Kroger. Now, it was his idea, not mine, but he retired. He was bored. Kroger's a big food store in, in America. And he realized he was really good at managing food because he had to in these large supermarkets. So his job is to orchestrate and implement and organize and pick up all this food, you know, thousands of pounds a week, and get it distributed throughout Louisville to people who need food. And, man, he just he loves it. He, he eats it up, no pun intended. But I think, you know, he's he had to use his imagination on how do I get out there and find food, how do I convince people to donate food, where do I find the right people to deliver it to? So that, that's a good example of somebody that's got a passion in retirement and it has nothing to do with money. He doesn't, he doesn't make a penny on it. It's nice to hear that. I always like to hear people putting bit back. It doesn't matter how much you put back, as long as it's a little bit, that's my opinion. Yeah, that's all that matters. And do you, obviously, do you have any plans for further Tony Maloney books and stories and adventures? illustrator for the book because it'd be nice to mention them. writing a book as you say it's a little part of you that you're giving to the world you do involve yourself a little bit in any book any book you write I defy any author that says they haven't but they put a little bit of themselves in it 
even if it's exaggerated a bit of themselves. It, there is a bit of themselves in there. Do you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think, I think deep down everybody wants to be heard and understood, and a book gives you permission to talk about yourself and whatever you want to talk about. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So uh, I've got a book. I'm having a gentleman in Kentucky. He's a pretty well-known author in Kentucky where I live, writing a book about my past, my values, the organization I've created, and then also the organization moving forward long after I'm not here because I want clients to know, hey, who is this guy? What are his morals? What are his principles? What is this organization all about that's going to handle my money? And then who's going to be there to replace him after he's dead and gone? Um, so, And I want a third person to write that. So he's been interviewing a lot of people. Um, I want him to compile it. He's a very good writer. He's a good storyteller. But I'm going to give that to people, not only clients who might be concerned what happens to the organization when Tony's gone, but also people who might be thinking about investing their money because nowadays people are really distrustful of organizations, institutions. Uh, they feel like a number. Um, and I think we, we have a different approach. We're much more personal. But I want people to know that, that the personality of me hopefully will continue you know, in the culture we've created here of helping these people long after I'm gone. I blame that a little bit on the me, me, me culture. You know, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's like the current situation over here with the fuel crisis. I imagine you've got the same problem in America. But a lot of it they're saying about companies making oil, with, they're making masses of profit. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know much about business. But I thought the whole point of a business is to make profit. I mean, I know it might be not nice to hear they're making profit out of the petrol prices and the oil prices and that, but hey, it goes both ways. They they probably made losses as well. So. Yeah, I was. I remember one of my first economics classes I ever took. It took me back. Uh, the question was, you know, who who do the corporations serve? And your first question is always, well, customers, clients, of course. And of course, the correct answer. I'm talking about large corporations. Is no, they don't. They serve their shareholders, and those shareholders require a profit. You know, they have invested their money, and so they have an obligation first to shareholders. So economics 101 says you better understand that that is the real world. You know, whether you like it or not, and if they don't satisfy those shareholders and make them a profit, then they're out of business, and then whatever service you were hoping for, that's gone by the wayside. So it does have to come full circle, and you have to realize that is what it's all about in the end. Fortunately for this book, you know, I've, I've made enough money where I could take some money and throw at this book and put it out there, and I, I told my wife this. I said, honey, if nobody buys this book, the 10 minutes I had reading this book when it was published to Scout Navi, who helped create it, that's all the memories I need. I'm I'm good with that, so I'm fortunate that I don't have to have money off this book to, you know, put food on the table. So it was, it definitely was a, just kind of a work of love and a legacy for my family first, and then if it helps other people, so be it. Have you ever considered doing like, um, you know when they used to go to schools, and they used to get someone to read a little bit from the book, you know what I mean, you? Like, like, like a library thing, they used to go to yeah. the library and invite a load of kids and... You say, oh, this is a section of the book. You don't have to sell the book, but you can just say, oh, this is a story from my book. If you like it, fine, it's there. If you don't, there's no commitment, that kind of thing. Have you ever thought of that, or is that too out? Yeah, uh, like my uh, Scout Navy's preschool, I think it's January 13th I'm going there. They have a mystery reader that comes in, so I'm going to take a supply of the books. I think there's like 16 kids or something. I'm going to show up as the mystery reader and read them Tony Baloney and then give all the kids a book to take home. 
inside the book it, you know, it's got a place this book belongs to and I always put the child's name yeah it's nice uh, it's yeah, yeah. But you're right I think just to read it to him I'm looking forward to that I'm, I think that'll be fun you can do the voices um, that's kind of an interesting thing now when I'm telling stories I'll use all kinds of crazy voices I think I'll just read it normal there and even the animators uh, are going to have to find voices for the cartoon characters so I'm curious to see what they come up with and of course they're going to run all that by me but you know because you're right I mean to be honest uh, there was not much video recording back then so I'm not really sure what my voice was you know whereas today mm -hmm. I could go back and my kids I can tell them what their voice sounded like because I've got it but back then we didn't have any video recording so well, I, 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 obviously they could base it on your accent because obviously you've got an accent like myself not like not a British accent but You've got like that yeah. Midwestern kind of twang, as they say. Yeah. So they'll, I'm sure they will, yeah, I'm sure they'll find actors that can portray these voices and, you know, with my approval, have that Midwestern, like you said, a little bit of a twang there. I, I think that'll be fun just to see what the voices sound like with the characters. I'm, I'm anxious to hear that, you know. I reckon they should have Cook Cookie as an inside voice. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like the, you know, like, obviously, because dogs can't talk. They could have a little green yeah. voice, so it'll go, go, oh, here we go again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> something like that, yeah. You, know, you ever seen that movie Homeward Bound? Yeah, that's brilliant, yeah. yeah that's, that's the kind of stuff. So you're right. We'll have to figure out what Cookie's going to be thinking or saying, because yeah, I think he's going to steal the show in the end if we can develop that character right. I mean, who doesn't love a little dog that's... I think, I think most people go, go for the dog here. You're quite right. I think, I, yeah, think yeah. It, I think if you do a series of Cookie Adventures... And I would, what I would do is I could do a little sample, put one on YouTube, like do a proper little small, a short, you know, like a 30 second clip, and that'll get your attention because they normally do quite well with YouTube shorts. And something like a little story going, I'm going to soon be telling my story. Hopefully to see you soon. Or something similar to that, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because. I think it, I, I found out the shorts work better for advertising something you want to sell than the long winded podcasts or advertisement you know if you just want to sell it there and then it pops you know as they used to say you know yourself in business it's, it's the old fashioned quick advert they used to have on telly you know the, the flash adverts that they banned years ago because it's supposed to contain sort of billable messages. Obviously, these don't. But you know, it's because they they're only like thirty to forty seconds long, so you you just get enough to get the feel of something. And you go, oh, that looks interesting. I'll go and have a look at that. I, I don't know. It's only an idea. You don't have to listen to my ideas. Yeah. Obviously, if they want to contact us for more information, but 
I'm like you. I think brevity is sometimes the best salesperson, not long-winded talks and discussions. Why if I through my... I've got a policy like you. I always think to myself, if one person listens back to my podcast, I'm quite happy. If I get a hundred listeners a month, I'm quite happy. Yeah, I'm I'm not one of these people who want... Oh, I've I've done... Yeah, I've done lots of people. I listen to stuff on my YouTube stuff, but... I'm quite happy to think, oh, someone out there's bothered to sit down and look me up and think, oh, listen to that. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it, yeah, like you said, if you, if you can affect or help one person, I mean, that's, as we said, in small amounts, it doesn't have to be helping the millions. I've never had a national presence, although I've got a TV show and I'm on in a lot of stations in Kentucky. I'm well known in Kentucky, but for whatever reason, I don't know why, I've never been able to get my name and my brand out nationally I wouldn't worry about it. Just, I mean, some people been when they see people who've been famous, they've been probably famous for twenty years before they actually got famous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, sir, is there anything else? I, I probably had better get back. Uh, in fact, I just got off the road coming back from Louisville today. So oh, that's, that's okay, man. I, I understand that. Um, I'm just thinking. Um, uh, just tell me a little bit if you want to about what services run for your fan aid so that people know that side of you as well so we might as well include okay. it in the podcast so I think it's fair enough yeah and I'll tell you a cool book if anybody would want to read it I, I think it's a game changer but this recent book I wrote Live Well Die Broke which really the essence of that just reminds people you can't take it with you and the reason that book is really important is again a lot of clients I've met over the years have waited way too long to spend their money and then they get to a point in life I call it the second half of life you know in their 70s or even 80s they've got all this money stockpiled and uh, unfortunately they can't spend it then the worry comes in well wait a minute who's going to get it well usually it's either the government or the nursing homes so it's kind of a losing strategy uh, the financial world has taught everybody to accumulate all this money because that's how they make money on our money And but they don't want you taking it away from them because they don't make money if you spend it the problem is most people then fall into that and it's too late so I would encourage people to reassess where they are in life do things like this. You don't have to write a book, but don't be afraid to get off your wallet. Um, enjoy your money. Realize you, you can't take it with you. There could be a point in time where you're not even able to spend it. And uh, that book, I think, would give you a good philosophy on how I approach money in life. And I've done this 38 years, so it's been born out of meeting a lot of a lot of people. So it's not just something I thought up to drive down the interstate today. I mean, this is from meeting thousands of people and watching their lives play out. And uh, so hopefully it might be of an encouragement to people to not be afraid to spend or enjoy the money. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I think it's important. I thought as you do it for a living, and there's always people worried about money in life. I mean, that's the situation we're in at the moment. Every country apparently is going in a recession of some description. I mean, I wouldn't know what a recession is because, like, basically, <laughs> I did my day pay assistance, but hey, that's just me. But, yeah. I think, I think everybody has at one point. Hey, would you please mention any websites you'd like to mention yeah, sure. while you were here? Well, several websites. If you just want to find out more about our organization, it's 
youtube.com and just type in Tony Walker Financial. Yeah, I hope people will go and listen and watch that. I would highly recommend people do because I should, what I should do is subscribe to you and then you can subscribe to me so we they sort of follow each yes, other sir. then. That's, that's a sort that of. Sounds, that sounds fair enough. That's one, one, extra, one extra subscriber. One extra subscriber. <laughs> Thank you, uh, yeah, thank you for letting me spend this little, little time with you. To, and, it, and what I do for the um, image of the audio is the book, the book image. Okay, okay. that's perfect. Okay, thank, thank you very you much. Sir. Bye, my friend. You're